Welcome to Dead Headspace. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined by my friend, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And I'm joined by my other friend, Erica Robin. Say hello, Erica. Hello. And we are joined by our other, other friend, Candice Nola. Say hello, Candice. Hello, Candice. And uh, we are doing Candice's first solo episode for listeners that uh, have been tuning in for the last, uh, well, since the finale, right? With David J. Scow? Mm-hmm. No, Candace pretty well. So, what got you into horror? Really? That's what you're going to start with? That's our go-to. We don't, uh, wait a minute, Brendan, are we not doing that with her? No, we're doing that with her. Sorry, Candace, you gotta. I know you're trying to be snarky and get out of it, but yeah, sorry. Hey, well, before we talk about that, let's not forget our other friend, Caitlin Marceau. Say hello, Caitlin. We can't hear her yet. Oh, no, Say hello she... louder. Uh, of course. There you go. Hello. Hey, I was saying someone did a Candace Knowles episode and I wasn't invited, so. Um, <laughs> wow. I just crashed this thing, but okay. This <laughs> is. <laughs> You sneaky bastards. <laughs> My so spirit animal. It is me and Caitlin's show again. I am. I mean, the rest of you can leave. We're good. Fine. I'm, I'm just going to mute. Um, I'll, I'll stay here to record anything. the episode. So, <laughs> so this is our other other friend, Caitlin Marceau. And we we're just asking Candace what got you into horror. And she was very much so not going to ignore it. <laughs> what got me into horror? Um, let me see. You want the short answer or the long one? I don't yes. Know. Yes. Okay. Let me see. Um, first would probably be my exposure to Edgar Allan Poe when I was about eight years old. Um, Alfred Hitchcock shortly after that. My father was very much into um, otherworldly stuff. Um, aliens and Bigfoot and Twilight Zone and horror. He lived in a very, ha- very haunted house when he was a child, extremely so. And I grew up pretty much listening to all of that and all of the um, stories. And we watched what he watched at the time because we had one TV in the house. And, you know, if you wanted to watch it, you watch what dad watched. So it was very much a lot of the Twilight Zone and Star Trek, a lot of Star Trek. And then weekends, we watched every horror movie we could get our hands on, all of them, even the bad ones, which we loved the most. So Basket Case, I think, is my number one favorite B-movie of all time. If you don't know what that is, correct yourself, because it's just the best. There you go. Oh wow, he really did it. So for audio listeners, uh Brennan is being um oh, that's a 10 for me. Okay, I'll keep going. He has <laughs> he's a judge. He's uh he's higher ranked than all of us now, and he gives us how many points? Uh I'm I'm tripping on my own words. I, I got a zero. Sorry. If I'm ahead, honest, Caitlin. I only made one card, so keep your answers really good. Oh, <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Nailed it. I want to hear what Caitlin has to say. 
to Brendan's 10 or to her getting into horror? Because I have yeah. like so many questions to like ask, ask them all. Ask, ask all the questions. Oh, I like prepared like so many sheets of paper. Like <laughs> it was like I was studying for a job interview. <laughs> I was like so She's excited. Prepared. <laughs> yeah, well, it was like similarly to like what got you into horror. I'm like really curious to know like what is driving you to Splatterpunk and like what you're hoping to bring to that like subgenre of of horror. Well, funny story about that. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> no clue. Um, and that is the real answer. I had no idea what it was. I didn't even know it was a term. Um, I actually only got into that genre because of the anthology that I published. Um, so what happened was I was still relatively new in in the business. And I was starting to make some friends and networking and whatnot on Facebook and Instagram. And the first group of authors that really sort of welcomed me in with open arms happened to be Aaron Regard and Daniel Volpe and Christine Morgan and Jeff Strand. And I had this big idea halfway through 2021 about, hey, I'm going to do this anthology. You guys want to join me? And I had this, you know, whole concept in mind that it was going to be my sort of pet project, so to speak, for my website, but for the industry as a whole, because I love this industry so much. It's not just about the splatterpunk or extreme, it's about all of it. And I wanted to sort of tell them thank you by making this what it was so i invited all all of them in and yeah they all happen to be splatterpunk extreme horror authors and every single one of them said yes and the baker's dozen was born and then a year later it won the 2022 splatterpunk award for anthology of the year so ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> deservedly so if i might I would just jump in and add that because you're it's amazing. So. quite lovely. So, you know, I, I, I was very proud of it. Um, I did do a little sort of a vain um, part of that because I wanted to include a story in it because it was my first anthology. So even though it's called The Baker's Dozen and it's based off of The Dark Dozen interviews that I do on my website every fall, typically you only have 12, right? But if I wanted to be in it, I needed 13. Thus, the baker's dozen coming from my younger one who is a pastry chef, and she was like, hey, why don't you call it this? So that's how we came up with the theme. That's how I was able to sort of be a part of it too. And that's why they all had to incorporate some type of a bakery a baker bake good into the theme so it would make sense so that's where the whole concept came from you guys know why it's 13 and not 12 what the the baker doesn't well it's so the baker has one to eat 
So you get a dozen and then you get one. That's I guess why. it goes back to medieval times where if they were short one, not a dozen, they would have dire uh, punishment. And I've been told that you, you would lose your thumbs. Um, it's kind, it's kind of an overreaction, but just so they were sure that they had a dozen donuts for, I don't know if it was for a king or whatever, they would add one more. So it's just very. So they could eat one. On yeah, the way very, back to the it's, kid. It's very appropriate. <laughs> but yeah, that, that anthology is one of my favorites. It's just so fun. Uh Aaron was Aaron's the alien one? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that one was fucked up and awesome. <laughs> I, it's how's that your first anthology? Um, I don't know. Yeah, it I don't know how you worked out that, that way. Yeah. There Erica, wasn't one before it, that's how. These are also all true. good answers. Erica, why don't you jump in? Oh boy. Okay. So, as we said, I have a lot of questions as well. <laughs> um, so, one that I I was trying to find stuff that I haven't heard you talk about yet, Candice. So, okay. this throws you for a complete curveball. Let me know. We can skip it and move on to the next one. Um, on Goodreads, you have a very brutal two-sentence horror story. Um, so, from that, I wanted to ask you if you have any interest in writing drabbles, specifically, like, those are the hundred-word stories, because I think... Obviously, you're talented with the novel, the short story, but I I haven't read enough of you, so I'm so sorry if you've already done a drabble. But if you no. haven't, are, would you be interested? Because I think you would crush. No, it. no, absolutely not. Um, but uh, now that you bring it up, I'm probably going to do some here and there as I get asked to do them. But I really don't like the short story, at least like the flash fiction and the drabble and stuff. I tend to get very involved in the concepts I get, and it's very difficult <laughs> to keep them short. Um, I wrote my first flash fiction piece last May, and it had to be 500 words or less. And I struggled with like the last 10 words for about three weeks because it was just like five words over. It was four words over. It was one word over for like seven days. I cursed, you know, everything I could think of. And then, then some, and that was just like the hardest thing that I've ever, ever had to do up to that point, trying to write something that short, but make it a full concept and make it sort of impactful too. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. I can't imagine doing something for a hundred words. And the two story one on Goodreads, I don't even remember what I what I wrote. I remember that I answered the question because it was out, out there, but I now I don't remember what it was, but I can guarantee you it took me at least an hour to come up with whatever those two sentences were. I copied and pasted it if you want to hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so you wrote... I lovingly tucked my children into their seats, wrapped them in a blanket, and gave them each a pillow as I wrapped my arms around them. I love you, I whispered, as the whistling scream of the plane going down echoed around us. Oh, man. Ooh. So good. <laughs> well, that's a nightmare. <laughs> Not bad at all. So, yeah, maybe two sentences. I don't think I could do a, a hundred words. I think that would suck. <laughs> So piggybacking off that, I mean, you kicked off with uh, some no some full-length novels, um, Bishop, which is 
probably your most uh actually probably not probably definitely your most well-known and popular book is in that kind of uh 30 to 40,000 word range and a couple recent releases are a little bit shorter than that in that like 10 to 15,000 word range mm-hmm. do you have a favorite place to be um the novel i prefer like the longer form over anything because it gives me room to kind of go wherever i want I don't, and it all actually goes down to the fact that I don't plan. I don't outline. I just sort of go with it. You guys sort of know I do a lot of my process in, internally. So I don't actually outline anything. I kind of get a, a visual of where I want the story to end up. And then I work backwards from there, like mentally based on, well, I have this one person I want to work with. This is the outcome. And then I work on just connecting those dots. So the novel usually lets me add in whatever my brain comes up with instead of having the outline. Because then if I outline, I feel like I have a bunch of rules I have to break now because I don't want to stick to the outline because someone else told me I had to stick to an outline. I like the. I just wing it. Do you like the idea of one day writing just a big doorstop novel? Um, I probably will. I have one that's about half written now. So. Hmm. <laughs> okay, back to Kaylin. <laughs> now, are you accepting advanced readers for the doorstopper? <laughs> You'll be the first to get it, Kaylin. <laughs> yes. He's so devastated if I don't get to read it. Um, but actually, it's kind of funny that, like, Brennan brought up, like, um, a bishop. Because I actually had a couple questions about, like, the sequel, mm-hmm. if, I, if I can, like, ask them. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know if you've already answered this somewhere. And, like, maybe I've totally missed it. But so you didn't have a co-writer for the first one. Mm-hmm. So why are you going with a co-writer on, like, the second one? What's What's changed to include a co-writer on this? Um, what's changed? I did not expect the first one to get the response that it had, which is a good thing. But a great thing. I also didn't really write the first one to be a continuation. I was like, oh, this is a cool concept. Let me write this. And then the world was like, hey, it's there more. And I was like, no, no, it was not. But in talking to my co author mike as i think most of you have already heard of or may have read he came up with sort of some of the the concept that we used and he was like you could do this and it would pick up from this spot and you could just you know continue it from there and then we could work backwards and sort of incorporate some of the part one into the story arc for the rest of it and mild spoiler alert, Bishop is going to be five parts now. So you can expect three more. So we made this entire storyline now that is going to unfold throughout the next ones. And I couldn't write it without involving him because a larger portion of the concept to continue it was his. Not only that, we click really well and we work well so it was just like a natural back and forth. And like, I think we nailed it. 
And I think that once people understand what you're actually writing about, that they're either going to hate me or they're going to love it. One of the two. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. So then, like, if, if I can just, like, two-part this then, <laughs> do you find, so, like, I, I've heard really different, like, schools of discourse when it comes to having a co-author. Some people are, like, it's fantastic. I do, like, twice as much in half the time. Like, it's fantastic. And then there's, like, that other camp that are, like, oh, my God, it would have been less painful to run face first into a blunder. So, like, it sounds like it went well, obviously, but do you yeah. find that, like, it does save you some time in the creative process or do you feel like it like adds time? Um, with Mike and I, it was like, we sort of worked as a team at the same time. So whenever you get around to reading it, by the way, I'll send it to you when, when we're done. <laughs> um, there are two storylines that sort of unfold and, in this next part. So Mike wrote the historical portion of it, which he does amazingly well. I wrote the continuation of the main story. So in the storyline, the two of them intertwine and unfold as you go along, but Mike wrote his piece, I wrote my piece, and we just blended them as we went. So it was no less painful for me than writing it on my own because I was technically writing my own story. And then we mixed his in to go with it because, okay. So the historical piece is written like a series of jur journals, entries. So as my story unfolds, you get to see parts of that unfold a chapter at a time so you'll read what's happening now then you'll they discover this journal and then you read the first chapter of that and then it goes back to the storyline you go back to the journal and that's how things kind of unfold for you to get the real crux of what exactly is going on and where they are in the actual story and what they're up against so it worked well. It sounds really cool. Epistolary horror is so fun. It's just such a fun little niche. So I, I am delighted to read it. Well, uh, you will have to let me know what you think because I'm yeah, really excited to hear what people think once they, they figure it out. So, and now I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> well, I'll, gi I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the halfway point. I'm about fifty percent in, so that's the good news. The bad news is I did not get any writing in today, and it is entirely your fault. Um, <laughs> it's I, I, um, I love the way you explained that you know, and 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 you can see here's the history piece, here's the the journal entries versus here's the continuation of the first book, and I and I do think that people who really really got pulled in by the first book are going to love the continuation and. Um, the elements of family. Um, mm -hmm. It's very, very engaging. And even when the pacing kind of slows down to get into the characters and to really just let the story breathe, it's every bit as engaging as when there's blood and guts and fur flying around the place. Um, and I love that about it. Um, and at the 50% mark, I do like the back and forth and 
the fact that there is kind of unfolding mystery. Um, like I said, I'm in, I'm really enjoying the kind of the, the the continuation from the first one, but the fact that also you didn't just try and recreate, you know, hey, you guys liked this, so here's, you know, basically the redux, the, mm -hmm. you know, the same thing again, but with this, you know, insignificant twist. Um, you, you and Mike work together to really create something new that lives on the back of the first one. Um, and again, just from what I've read, I think people are going to really, really dig into it. Thanks. Well, my work here is done then, and we can end end this now because I'm good. <laughs> Brendan approves. It, it was nice talking to you guys. <laughs> I get a 10 for that, right? Where's my scorecard? Oh, I'm so sorry. It wasn't ready. See, uh, it's upside down, but that's great. It's also missing, zero one. It's I missing a zero. It's oh, missing right. a, another zero. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's there somewhere. All right. A hundred for Candace. Erica, do you do you have a question that isn't stupid? Wow. That, um, no, that that came off. That sounded like it was an insult to you. It, it no. did. That was insulting. No, no, no. Wow. No, no, no. I mean. no, no, no. Bad Pat. I meant to insult Brennan. Fuck. Go ahead, Erica. Sorry. Mine wasn't even a question, so I really do think oh, God, I'm after off. Caitlin, which is... Ugh. Yeah, in which uh, case... That's, that's misogynist. No, I, I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> Fuck me, I Canada, guess. so I mean... Wow. <laughs> that's done. We're done. Yeah. What's that all insult Brennan, and I insulted everyone else. Xenophobic? Wow, that kind of hurt. Wow. That was amazing. I, of course, was like... Uh, are all my questions stupid? Was that no, oh my God, it, it was terrible. so harsh. I heard him say that. I'm like, jeez. Mm. <laughs> I feel like Mike Clark insulting you. You're dirty. Defend your honor against myself. Okay, Pat. Well, we forgive you. Please let mute. Erica ask one of her many intelligent questions because she I'm came gonna, prepared. I'm going to mute myself. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that needs a nap. Um, well, yeah, my next question, just related to Bishop. Uh, while I was reading that one, I was just a ball of anxiety literally the entire time. And to me, you always seem like very calm, cool, collected. So I wanted to know, do you ever freak yourself out while you're writing? Um, While I'm writing? No. <laughs> no, but... um. I can tell when the story is really starting to flow and I'm in the middle of like a fight scene or the ending portion where everything just kind of explodes into just blood and guts and fur and pain and screaming everywhere because I'm kind of on the edge of my seat myself as I type. And things are going really fast, and I get this weird smile on my face because I'm like, oh, it's, it's, this is the shit. <laughs> but do I freak myself out? Um, no, but I kind of just get in this zone where I don't hear anything else. You can't bring me out of it no matter what. I'm just, like, in the story. I'm no longer in my house. I'm no longer in anywhere, but... I'm in that moment right there as it un unfolds. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank I you for like sharing. It. Yeah. So talking about fight scenes, um, I really like the one in the first Bishop book. And we don't have to go into details about that, but how many 
how many drafts did it take to kind of nail that down? One. Of course, because you're awesome. <laughs> you knew that was going to be the answer. No, I didn't. I wish it wasn't. <laughs> we already know Candace is better than us, but now I she's just... just rubbing it in. <laughs> Damn it, Candace. That smug smile. <laughs> I only ever do one draft. It, it's all mental and then by the time i actually sit down to write it out it's done i do one draft so i may do some revisions and things as it gets sent out to the select few that help me like edit and revise things and whatnot but it'll never be a full like rewrite it's that draft it's done i may change a sentence or two something like that but by the time i actually sit down to type it that's literally all i'm doing at that point is typing the already written story that's in my head you're too so it's done me. my brain is fried from that i don't know how a human can do that <laughs> I, I have a lot of um different wheels in my head uh, <laughs> i multitask well brennan why don't you take us away to the next topic all right. Well, actually, it kind of uh, okay. pulls off Bishop a little bit. Um, and we had talked about this a little bit when we had you on for the uh, American Cannibal uh, panel. But a big theme in your work, you know, both in Bishop, but also in Breach is survival horror. And I wonder if you could dig a little deeper into how to properly write that, your approach to writing that and why it interests you. Um. Because I plan on surviving the zombie apocalypse, and I've been training for it since I was 10. Preparedness, I like it, yep. Yeah. So, um, being raised by my dad, well, my mom and dad, we lived in a very small town in the country. We, we um, used to split wood, and he would go hunt. I learned how to dress a deer and all sorts of things like that. So I'm no stranger to blood and guts and killing animals and being prepared for things. And my dad was very much like, hey, you never know what's going to happen and you should always be prepared for the worst. And if we were ever in an environment where the shit hit the, hit the proverbial fan, we could have survived quite well at our house with the things that we already had on 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 hand and in stock like water and canned goods because we we canned a lot of our own food so we had a whole pantry in the basement full of just jars of food and water and not to mention giant things of wine because my dad used to make wine too. So, you know, even if it got really bad, we could drink away the woes and, you know, go kill some zombies. But um, when I got about, um, I turned about 24, I think, and I started writing this zombie apocalypse <laughs> novel by hand. And I got really into the finer aspects of it and the whole survival aspect. Like, okay, what would somebody really need to find in order to survive something like that as they went from place to place? And what are the little things that are out there that somebody may actually already have in their house or that somebody could find in the store? How do they work? 
So then I got stuck on this whole like disaster preparedness thing. And I actually um, bought a bunch of survival, <laughs> survival things and I learned how to use them and I was testing them out and I taught myself a whole lot about all, all, all of that. You can ask my kids because um, in my bedroom right now, there are actually four complete <laughs> backpacks that you would use in an emergency that are 100% stocked and packed and prepared if we need to leave. And they're there, ready to go. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how all of that kind of played into the um, stories. Just a lot of things I already knew, things I was raised on, and then writing that zombie apocalypse story and then all the research I did to make sure that I had it right because I'm, I'm the person that wants to know what it smells like like I want to know what it feels like I want to know did that work did that little camp stove work how do you need to make it work what does that I don't know trail food taste like like I wanted to know what it was in order to properly describe it so yeah I went like real deep with the research <laughs> still do that's awesome um, yeah I'm weird Wait, can I like quickly I mean, segue and just ask what absolutely. is like, the, I mean, it won't be one of the uh, intelligent questions that Patrick wants. Well, <laughs> it's just like, what is like the, because I always find it so fascinating, but what is the weirdest thing you have Googled in related to your research that you were like 170% I am on a watch list now, like, because it's something you looked up for, for a story? Um, um the, the weirdest There's been a there's always a few. Well, one was how to cut out a human heart. Um, how much does the human brain weigh? How much does the average human head weigh without the brain? Um Good watch list stuff. Like. Yeah, that is watch yeah, list items. Definitely <laughs> on a watch list. Oh, and for the unicorn character. <laughs> I had to Google like how to make a bomb. Oh, oh no! <laughs> That's when the FBI knocks on your door. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. There's probably a few things I'm on the watch list for. So, <laughs> yeah. Oops, I'm just a writer. We'll Sorry. return to that that book. What we'll talk about it now? Hmm? What the unicorn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So the Unicorn Killer. I finished it yesterday. All right. You guys know, no surprise there. I thought it was awesome. It was a uh, quick. Um, you know what? Let's go to you. Synopsis. I don't want to ruin anything. It's a short book. <laughs> Synopsis. Um, well, it, it's just about a guy named Frank who <laughs> really has no motivation in life to do anything. He's an average guy with an average job, but he has the desire to be known for something before he dies. So he wants in life. He doesn't care what. He just wants to be known for something. And he becomes fixated on the serial killers, which he begins to, you know, that is his chosen thing he's going to be known for. But he goes along with this for so long, and then he realizes that he has nothing to make him stand out. He's actually bored. He's killing all these people with no purpose, no motivation. He gains nothing out of it at all, except he just wants 
the cops to know it was him. And he wants his name to be tied to, I did all this just to, he wants to be known, you know, one of the greatest serial killers. Well, he watches an infomercial one night and something about that commercial just sort of clicks with his inner unicorn. And, you know, suddenly Frank has a purpose and a signature that's going to go down in infamy. And that's how it plays out. So, yeah. There you go. You mix uh, violence with humor really well there. It dances a fine <laughs> line. Frank dances. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the first one I had ever attempted to write with any sort of like amusing overtone to it, I guess. And I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not, but I was like, well, here we go. I mean, Apparently it some- worked. You got so many stories on serial killers, so you, you kind of got to do something a little different. Right. I guess I guess it's like social commentary. Yeah, a little. I mean, yeah, because he was just an average guy. He wanted something. He didn't know what. And he was like, well, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out with a bang. And I'm going to have fun while I do <laughs> And he did. Frank really, you know, embraced his inner nature and he really had a good time with it. I work with a guy named Frank. <laughs> That's awesome. I think you you worked with a guy named Frank. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Frank may be no more. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, go ahead. I don't have a specific question about that one yet. I got it That's from okay. Godless and I haven't read it, but I really want to because the cover is incredible. I know we already talked about that like offline. It's amazing. <laughs> Every time I look at it, I, I giggle and I'm like, I know this isn't going to be like a super fun, like bubbly story. because it's Oh, people. but it is. It's yeah, you'll have a blast. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't wait. Um, but semi-related to that. From what I've read from you, all your works, and I just heard Pat say you have a lot of serial killer stories, so I'm like, yes, I have a lot to read. Um, But from what I've read from you specifically, you had, let's see, you had a creature feature in Bishop. Mm. You had the horror collection Lost Edition, where you had like a very demented body horror-ish story. And then, of course, in American Cannibal, you had cannibal story um is there a genre or a like a subgenre that you haven't written yet that you're interested in in the future um i haven't written um all the rest all the rest um you will probably find me writing everything else that is out there except romance and erotica You'll definitely get sci-fi, you'll get the supernatural, you'll get the gothic, you'll get the mysteries, you'll get pretty much everything else because I've spent the last year just trying to do things that I've not yet tried. And I've come a long way down that rabbit hole. And the other things that are scheduled to come out over this next 12 months or so are all things that I've not yet written or tried to attempt and I think there's a lot more to come so awesome well I'm already excited for your gothic horror take I think that's gonna rule <laughs> do you have a strategy when you're taking on a subgenre that you've never written in before um 
do you do a lot of reading or is it just, you know, brainstorming and mental preparedness to take on something that you haven't written in before? I just went. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to read anything fresh when I'm about to start something new like that, because I don't want inadvertently, I don't want their stories or concepts to like, filter into my brain because it's so new and it's so fresh. Um, I literally have spent my entire life reading. I live in books. So I've read thousands of books. I've read everything from romance to paranormal to supernatural to the creature features to body horror. I've read it all. And if I need to kind of do research on anything else, then I will, but I won't read anyone else's like particular story just because I really don't want to get any of that in my head and then have that, oh, well, this reads just like so-and-so's blah, blah, blah. Like, I like to keep it all just mental until it's written. And then then I'll read other stuff and be like, oh, yeah, I nailed it, you know, but, <laughs> you know. But the library is stocked. The library is fully stocked at all times. Yeah. Excellent. Caitlin, I'd love to hear another one of your very well thought out questions that we absolutely respect. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> a lot of the questions I was going to ask. That's all like, right. I'll eat shit for the rest of the episode for that. <laughs> you got damn right. Yeah. I'm <laughs> damn right. You will. <laughs> I mean, so like. I think the question, we kind of touched on oddly enough what you were saying about like the genres or like more specifically the subgenres that you're like working in. Mm -hmm. um, although we'll just like preface that I'm absolutely disappointed that I can't expect any like monster porn from you. Like there goes <laughs> all mm -hmm. of my future Candace ambitions. <laughs> well. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, Wait, she didn't say no to the monster porn. Um, sounds like oh. a collaboration in the works. <laughs> that's a hard no. That that's a hard no. You said it's a hard no. Ooh, that's a. It's hard. No path. No path. Um, no, but my my question is kind of like on this tangent of like if you couldn't write horror, like if for whatever reason we we lived in a universe where just like a horror fiction wasn't a thing, what do you think you would be drawn towards writing, or do you sort of think like the passion for it would just like not be there which i know is like an odd question <laughs> no um what would i be writing instead of horror well i would be writing elves and orcs and magic princesses and castles and i would kill as many things as possible along the way because horror just exists in my soul but it would definitely be some sort of thing along those lines fantasy you know because i read a lot of that and truth be told i love it I absolutely love anything that has to do with elves and castles and the fairies and the dragons. Don't get me started on that. Wait, you like um, if you read Breach, there's a dragon in there. So I, I would absolutely write that. But you like Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Oh, we've not talked about that before. Have it, seen it, read it all, watched them all, own it all. Yeah. Okay. All of them. That's yeah. awesome. See, this is why I love you. This is like, 
this there's like an entire like fantasy shelf that's just like happening in the background. So this is just like my entire heart is warm with joy. Yes, I have an entire bookcase of fantasy. (laughs) All of it. Yep. Love it. (laughs) Yep. Brandon, do you have any questions about fantasy porn? What? Wow. No. Mm No, mm-hmm. I, do, I really it, it, don't. Okay, that's not random because she was. Caitlin asked about monster porn. It was a joke. It was yeah. a joke. Obviously, it was a joke too. <laughs> Damn it, Patrick. Are you sure? Because you're doing the air quotes. Are we? Yeah, there? that's do not. You, obvious. Do you really just want porn in this conversation, there, Pat? <laughs> no. Not sure. Gonna leave. Let me go back to mute myself. <laughs> uh, Erica, why don't you go ahead. with the? That's what she said. <laughs> jokes, I think. Uh, I'm <laughs> Oh gosh, let's see. So I'm looking at my questions again. The next two I have are about your website. If you're cool, okay. yeah. Um, so one of them is more of a just a, sh- a shout out, I guess. Okay. I didn't know this page was on your website, but I was poking around again trying to find something that I hadn't heard you talk about. So I know you have that really great indie horror page. Mm-hmm. And it was like she promotes that. I'm gonna skip it. So if any listeners haven't seen that page, please go look at that right now um but the page i wanted to talk about specifically is under your more tab you have a page called author resources Mm -hmm. break down like a lot of really cool tools that authors can use places to upload ads how to get reviewers and just like a ton of really helpful tips um so could you talk us through a little bit like why you decided to build out that page if it's new or older and if you've gotten any like thank yous for that because i think that's a really good resource um Well, the why is when I started, it was 2019, I didn't know anybody. I had not one friend in the industry. I didn't even know where to start, where to look. Um, I did a lot of online research about how to self-publish, how to do the editing, how to promote, how to, how to, how to, how to, you know, everything. And I started to keep um, notes in Word, like different things that I had found, different things I had tried, and exact steps like how to do this, how to use this site, why to use this site. And as I started making a little bit of a name for myself along the way, other folks that were new would often ask me, hey, how did you get on that whatever, that email site, or how did you run that ad? And when I would have a conversation with them, I would find out that they were new and they were just trying to start out and didn't know how to do anything. So I would offer to send them that word file that I had made with all the step-by-step instructions, which I have sent to probably well over 27 authors at this point. So when I built the website, that was one of the, the first things that I actually put on there because I wanted it to be useful. I didn't want the entire website to just be about me. I wanted it to be useful for someone else that might come out there and be like, oh, great, this is cool. She has this book and this book and, you know, she only cares about, you know, buy my books. I, You guys all know that's not anything I care about. Like, I care about the industry as a whole and I want to help as many others get to the point that they want to get to so that page is out there and as far as the indie horror website and my website as a whole i've been talking about this for a while but that entire website is about to morph into a standalone indie 
community page. So my personal stuff is is in the process of being moved to my own website under my name. Uncomfortably, Tark will will transition into the indie horror community support page, and it will be nothing but pages of indie um, indie authors, reviewers, editors, formatters, any services you need, there'll be a page. It'll be submission calls and open calls, and it'll be ads and author interviews and spotlights and different, uh, some publishers have, I have been speaking to about maybe sponsoring the website as well and doing different things with them. So there's a lot about to happen on that on that website in June and it's meant to be like an all-in-one stop for both the writers and readers. If you write and you need an editor, you need an artist, you need a review team, you need anything, you'll be able to find it on a page on that site. If you're a reader and you want to know, hey, does my new author have a favorite book? Does my favorite author have a new book out? They can go to the site and click on their their book and read all the latest book reviews and all of that. So you're going to be able to find anyone and anything you need from that one page. At least that's my intent. So why'd you pick that title uncomfortably dark? Because I'm uncomfortable and I'm dark. Short and sweet. Yeah. I thought there was going to be more. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nope. I'm uncomfortable all the time. And I have a very twisted sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of goes along with what I write because everything I write is sort of, you know, kind of lives in the darkness and yeah, I'm uncomfortable no matter what I do. I'm uncomfortable in a room by myself. I'm uncomfortable in the crowd. I'm uncomfortable on this podcast right now. I'm uncomfortable Uh all the time. I have never appreciated a sentiment more as someone who like <laughs> vibrates through solid objects with anxiety. Yeah. It's like, like that. I'm uncomfortable. And I'm like, yes, oh. <laughs> correct. All the time. I just make it look like I'm not, but yeah, I, I am very uncomfortable all the time. Do you, do you dream? Like do you remember your dreams? No, I'm passed out cold. You know, so you, do you know, do you not know if you dream? Because like I know some people don't. I I dream, but I work so much now that I only sleep like three to four hours a night. So by the time I actually go to sleep, I'm pretty much in a coma. So yeah, I don't remember my dreams most of the time unless it's like a bad night. Because I have a lot of nightmares and I have a lot of like just bad things in my head. So if I dream at all, it's usually not a pleasant one that I want to remember. So thus I work even more. So when I do go to sleep, I'm out cold. Okay. So, I was going to yeah. ask if those are ever nice, but you just answered that. Yep. So. Caitlin or Erica, sorry, you you weren't done, were you? Oh, I had a semi follow-up question, but I think Candace honestly answered it a little bit because um, I was looking at again your website and okay. you have a really great page where you sell signed copies as well as merch so if you split your sites out do you think you're going to do everything that's in your shop now on your personal page or are you going to do no. more in the shared site the store page will stay uncomfortably park merch which will be anything that i write anything my authors write 
Um, I think you guys know that I've started publishing a couple of other folks under my brand, which is going to continue slowly from here on out. But that website, since it's already set up for all of that, all of the uncomfortably dark merch, novels, posters, mugs, all of that will stay in that store. My own website, once it is up, you'll be able to kind of read about me, but when it comes time to click on that link, it's either going to take you to the store front on Uncomfortably Dark, or it'll take you to Amazon or wherever else. So, yeah. Cough, cough, submission information. Cough, cough <laughs> for your publishing house. Cough. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't have a question. No. <laughs> actually i do have an odd question or not like really an odd question for candace but like so <laughs> i like that i like that uh clarification okay. yeah <laughs> Only <laughs> um so like not just the horror community but i'm, I'm going to center it on the horror community obviously mm-hmm. there tends to be a ton of scandals and drama and like <laughs> just crazy shit happening at all hours of the night <laughs> and like how do you personally stay such a supportive, wonderful ray of sunshine 24-7? Because you were saying that you were like uncomfortable and you're dark, but you have to be one of the nicest human beings that has ever graced the internet <laughs> and the world <laughs> itself. So like, how do you personally stay so positive and so helpful and so supportive to a community that I'm going to say doesn't deserve you? <laughs> 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 putting that out there well, all right caitlin tell us how you really feel um, i think you're amazing who's on your who out of my basement bags, caitlin? <laughs> yeah, i escaped just for this podcast i'll return home i promise <laughs> you really want to ask that question tonight patrick <laughs> oh i guess i'd be the first and only one on that list never mind hmm. candace go ahead i'm sorry I'm um, I, I just, um, I, I don't know. I work too much to pay attention to any of the doom scrolling anybody does. I, I have a day job. I have the editing business. I have the website. I have 23 deadlines for this year. And I have 15 or 17 editing clients right now. I don't doom scroll. I don't get involved. I don't jump in and add my two cents worth because I don't have the time. Often, I don't need to add my two cents because one, nobody asked me. Two, it's not my place to give anybody what their opinion is or my opinion of what their opinion is because at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. Um, Unless it's something like massively wrong, like transphobic or racist or something directed at me or my family, and by family, I mean my inner circle of writing family, I don't get involved. When I need to make a stand, I will. Um, Anyone that knows me knows exactly where I stand when it comes to issues. And as far as the rest of it goes, on a personal front, I support pretty much anyone that I feel is worthy of it. So if I see you online acting the right way and being a genuine, sincere person, just trying to put your stuff out there and get a little bit of help along the way, then yeah, I will post it. I'll share it. I'll retweet it. I don't just support those that I specifically work with or those that I interact with all day, every day. 
I will share a random person that I've never met or heard just because their profile so far reads nice. They seem like a genuine, hardworking individual. Their cover art has struck me some type of way. And yeah, I'll go out to like, hey, check this out. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, I, I think everyone really needs a chance to be heard. And as long as they don't make me regret that chance, I'll continue. And if you burn me, well, <laughs> on the list you go. <laughs> you know? Don't add me. Oh, Pat, you're getting <laughs> Audio listeners can't see that, Brendan. I'm adding yeah. you one letter at a time. They know right it was a goddamn 10. <laughs> oh, well. Just so happens, Patrick's a shorthand for my real name. I don't know what the long version is yet, so don't ask. Um, okay, I'm going to use your entire name, so you still have the last name to get through. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Uh, Caitlin, did you have a follow-up with that? Because I don't want to cut you off. No, no, that was it. Was That was it. It was it just undying love for Candace, I suppose. Oh. It's like the overall message. Yeah. And my I next back tattoo. I feel about you. <laughs> I do think gonna that's... get like Saint Candace. I'm like, <laughs> I need pictures when you make that happen. <laughs> I, I I'm honestly so. I mean, I I like getting really stupid tattoos. I have some ridiculous ones. So like, there is no part of me that doesn't want to get just like your face, like <laughs> just like somewhere. Could you just get the logo? Like, could you get the logo? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Face might be weird. <laughs> Anytime I'm uncomfortably dark. Hmm. Okay, I don't know. Um, so you made a good point on a lot of things, but one that I think sticks out is how you know Doom Scroll. A lot of people do that. I do that sometimes too. It's fucking stupid. It's pointless. It feels like a waste of time, and it just makes you feel like something's leeching in your brain, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's not fun. Um, but but there, you know, like I say this every now and then, you don't know who's listening to the whatever episode and you don't know when so i think it's important to keep in mind that there could be very brand new writers or 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 eventually they will be writers and uh i think it's important to stress that that it's not worth putting your two cents into every fucking weekly drama because it doesn't matter matter. eventually you run out of change and on top of that you said something else um that's really important. You said, you. I know my friends know where I stand mm. and you pick your friends very wisely. So my two cents for people listening is pick your friends wisely or you might get well, burned. Yeah. But my, um, to really drive that home, if you're new, if you're relatively new, you've been out here a couple of years and you're still trying to figure it out. Mistakes are going to take place. You're going to make the wrong move. You're going to become friends with the wrong one. You're going to make the wrong post, even though you meant it as a joke. The issues come in when you don't acknowledge it and when you don't apologize or when you don't speak on the mistakes you have made. Also, the minute you decide to put yourself out into the world as a creative I'm not even just going to say as a writer, as a creative anything. You're your brand. You are your brand. The moment you say something wrong 
or a messed up or, you know, political issue or some such, whatever it is, every potential person you have out there that may want to read you, that may be interested in you, they are all going to be judging your every single word, move, meme, and post that you make. Whether you meant it as a joke or not, whether you didn't even realize how it meant or how it came out, just remember you're your brand. The readers know you as your brand. You're no longer a person with the right to say and do whatever you want to say and do that you would say and do in your real life. Now, every person who sees you is a potential reader of yours that you're going to alienate based on your every move. You're your brand. So if you want people to respect you and respect your work and want to put their faith in you and following that their money in investing in you think about that w would you invest in a company a celebrity a store anything that you know goes against everything that you stand for are you just going to give them your money no well then why would you expect your readers to you're your brand there's no other way to put that. That that whole, this is me and I'm personal and I'm separate from my, no, you're not. A single author, artist, no matter who you are, you become a brand the moment you put yourself out there and say, hey, I have something to sell you. So. Well said. That's how I view it. Yeah. And I think too, you know, a lot of people make the argument pretty much antithetical to what you just said that oh we have to separate creators from you know the creations but the truth is that whether it, it doesn't matter whether or not you believe that because the general societal attitude is people aren't doing that these days They're so not. you have to acknowledge that that's not happening it doesn't really again it doesn't matter if you think that should be the case because right. nobody they else don't think that <laughs> no they don't and yeah you are still a person. You are still someone with needs and frustrations and anxieties and fears and anger like everyone else has. You still have a right to think and feel and express yourself. However, when you become public, you really need to think about how you're choosing to think and feel and express yourself in the public arena. At that point, you need to rein in those expressions and keep it within your personal group rather than your public view. I have a very small group of friends for a reason. I have a very small group of trustworthy friends that I know I can vent to about anything at any time that I 100% trust with that. And I know it's not going to go anywhere else because not only are they... Not only can they share in some of the frustrations I have, but they're a personal friend before they're part of my brand or part of my author tribe. They're a personal friend that I can trust with that. You deal with your personal expressions and angers with your personal tribe, not with the entire internet. You know? I yeah. wish every human being had been given this lecture <laughs> at the yeah. advent of social media. <laughs> like, the, the number of people I, I personally have seen going online and just having some real hot takes they did not need to share. 
And then being surprised like the following month when there's a dip in sales further book. And like, I wonder what I could have done (laughs) to like boost sales. I wonder why this is happening. Meanwhile, there's like a transphobic meme just like as their background. And you're like, oh, I wonder why. Wonder what that could have been. No idea. Oh, geez. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried saying that before, Candace, and I got some pushback and I was like, okay, well. Because my thing was, I was just, my thing was like, you, you never know who is checking out your, uh, your social your brand. Media. Yeah, your brand. And your brand. you gotta, th- you gotta think about it. Like, whatever non-creative world, there's um, businesses they look at your social media before they hire you. That's they sure that's do. not that's not private. That's not a private thing. Like, nope. that's pretty well known at this point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you got to think publishers, uh, potential agents, um, people in the film world or, or someone you mm-hmm. may try selling, like they're going to do that too. And this beer is, is worth, I can't think of words right now. It's tough. I don't want to write right now. So someone edit this for me, but um, mm-hmm. it, it's worth bearing repeating. See, I can't get that order out correctly. Brennan, what am I trying to say? I don't know, but I will tell you that um, I did, you know, I had one publisher who literally told me that they said they scoured my social media before they made a contract offer. And, you know, they didn't say it in a skeevy way, but they they made it very clear that they took a look before they even considered making an offer. So, yeah, I I mean, to, to think that that's not happening, that people involved in the business that your brand is in aren't looking at your social media presence and that you can just say whatever the fuck you want is asinine. It's, it's, you know, it's ridiculous to, yeah, Yeah. we don't need to go down that road. It's silly. (laughs) It's a small, amazing advice. They just want to know that you stand for the same things that they stand for. They spent time making their own brand what they stand for. They're not going to want to bring someone on that goes against everything that they've built, you know? So yeah. And it'll be the same with me whenever I do open up to submissions, Caitlin, um, I will be looking at your social media. I'll be looking at those posts you made two years ago. Don't think I won't. I'll find it because I will not invest in anyone that does not stand for what I stand for. My logo literally says be the kindness in the dark. So yeah, if you're unkind, you won't be on my brand. Smart. So yep. Oh. Uh, <laughs> my mic just like disconnects and it's like, hmm, this is fun. <laughs> um, I was gonna say now I have to scrub my Twitter feed for the ball gag Furby I posted two years ago, but I guess. You know, it is oh, what it is. Oh, pass. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> well, she said only two years, so you only have to go back two years, so it's not a big deal, you know. Yeah, I might have to go back a little bit further with Kayla. <laughs> oh, my God, the dildo troll doll is coming what back to fuck? me now. <laughs> wow. Is that a real Damn, thing? That's a whole other episode. There was you know she's whole... not joking. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't post it, but yes, I have found it and I thought it was obscene. So that's hilarious. Does it, <laughs> does it have that little hair that's like <laughs> It's <laughs> not hair. In, oh in wow. Uh, 
Yeah. No. Yeah. I just got all types pleasures. of visuals, and they're all wrong. <laughs> just there's you acting good. out the hairs. Christ <laughs> <laughs> <I saw> already. <laughs> oh. So. Are we winding down now? <laughs> I don't know. Are we? Because <laughs> Kaylin's on a roll. I have no idea. Let's see what that <laughs> rabbit hole is. so got away from me really quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to mix my day job into this. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to know what her day job is, go back a few episodes to listen to Caitlin's episode where Candace uh, doesn't stop talking about how awesome Caitlin is. Can- I said that right. I said Candace, right? Yes. Okay, thanks. Yes. I made so that's her why cry. I- <laughs> yeah, yeah did. thanks for that. <laughs> You're very welcome. I love you. I love you too. I meant it sincerely. <laughs> Brennan or Erica or Caitlin, do you guys have any any last questions or follow up questions about troll dildos or <laughs> anything else? <laughs> Everything else. <laughs> Candace, what's down the pipeline? Wow, down that is such line. a terrible way to phrase that. Nope. Obviously, it's troll dildos. <laughs> Think we covered that, Pat. Think we covered that one. I wasn't trying to be funny. So, what is in the works, Brennan? Please jump in. Save uh, him. No. Somebody save him. All right. So, I, you know, as as much as you can reveal, because I know you probably got you know fifteen hundred projects lined up. Um, what can people, you know? Bishop Bishop Two is out now. Um, mm-hmm. What can people expect to see with your name on it in the coming months? Um. Well, I have a short story coming out at the end of next month. It'll be announced later on, but it will be a um, a standalone. So you'll hear news about that. Um, the next what month are we in? April. I just did Unicorn Killer in March, so March. The generator. Every three months for the godless platform, you're gonna get another like standalone short. So those have already been scheduled with Drew. Um, so you'll hear about those as they come out. I have a novella, maybe a novel coming out in August, depending on how long it gets here. Um, the new antho for the website is well underway. Um, no more details about that. If you know, you know. And uh, what else is going on? I have probably seven more anthos that I'm invited to over the next, the rest of this year. I'm working on a collaboration right now with another author um, friend of mine, not Mike. And it is a whole other story. So we worked the the, um, the plot out for that last week. Um, the Indie Horror website will launch in June. Dantho. And probably later this winter, I'll start working on the Clickers installment that Brian King offered to me last fall. So I will probably get with my co-author on that sometime in late fall and start that. Is your co-author announced on that one? I'm spacing. It was announced on the live stream that Keen had a few weeks back. So it's out there, but it hasn't been like officially announced anywhere else. So 
I so assume keep you'll us in the uncomfortable dark. Yes, I'm going to keep you in the uncomfortable dark for a couple more months until I've Appreciate officially it. spoken with them, and that is the person that we are going to get with. Because you know, life happens and things change. So I just want to make sure that we are locked in before I announce it more publicly. I guess so. Excellent. Yeah. Staying busy. Staying mm, busy. A little bit. Love it. Just a little bit. So, Candice, what are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? Naughty thing. Um, no, that wasn't a joke. I'm not reading anything right at this specific moment. <laughs> All right, that's fair. All right. What I'm exhausted. Have I have con recently? <laughs> recently. So let's see. I have I'm actually working my way through the Juniper trilogy from Ross Je Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to start the third one. I did just finish Tome like two days ago. Um, I finished reading a short story collection called The Objects that is coming out in two days from Matt, Matthew Vaughn, uh, Joe Ortley. Uh, forgive me, but there's two other authors. Um, I can look them up real quick because I don't want to get their names on. Um and that collection is actually really unique. They came up with a concept. So it is Joe Ortlieb, Kyra Torres, Damien Casey, and Matthew Vaughn. And it is called The Objects. And one of them, I think, came up with this concept where they had to name, they each had to name one item. And they made a list of those. And then every story had to contain all four of those objects mm. in the story, which was really cool. And when I read it, because they had asked me for a blurb um, earlier in March, and when I read it, I went in blind. I had no idea what any of the objects were, what the stories were about. Every story is so wildly different from the other one. They're like complete polar opposites of just, you got a little bit of humor in there. You got a little bit of just soul-crushing heartbreak in one. There's, yeah, it is well worth the read. I think it comes out in two days. So love that and then i have another story to read for another blurb that i'm not i don't think i can mention yet so that'll be my next read over the weekend very cool yeah always busy caitlin how about you i so there, there's two different things that i'm reading one of them uh is kind of like i've already read it i, I got to blurb it it's agony's lodestone by laura keating mm. And like, it's such a good book. It comes out tomorrow, but I had the pleasure of blurbing it like a while ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm like rereading it in anticipation, even though I'm getting like the paperback <laughs> like tomorrow. So I've like preemptively gone back to like start it before it gets here again. Um, and then the other one was like, it's like, it's a, it's a weird book. I'll leave it at that. I don't think I'm supposed to talk about it, but it's just like a bizarre accident is <laughs> the best way I can describe it I don't want to like yeah I, I don't want to drag anyone I just expected one thing and I got a very different genre than I was expecting vague 
cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. It just wasn't what I was yeah counting on. So, Erica. Well, I'm about to start Agony's Lodestone like right after we stop recording this. So very excited it's for that one. Oh, so good. <laughs> I can't wait. I've had the arc like sitting. You guys can't. Well, I guess you can see it behind me. I have like this lineup of books, but then right next to me, I have the books I'm reading next um and that one's been like staring me down and the cover is so creepy so it's it's so i'm so anyways it's her book i'm so excited for it oh my god okay yeah so by the time this episode comes out that book will be officially out so listeners grab that one um i just finished sleeping in the fire by john durgan and that's a collection of nine short stories and usually when i review short story collections i try to pick like my top favorite stories i loved every single one of these so extra shout out to John. I think this collection really showed off his range. And a lot of these stories are really, really brutal. There was one that actually like made me nauseous, just like reading American Cannibal. So (laughs) looking for a story that will turn your stomach. There's one of those in there. Um, But he also has like a really more like sweet, like YA type story that's just more creepy. So the range is really, really cool. I highly recommend that one. Yeah, I just got that one in the mail. I'm looking forward to getting into that pretty quick here. Patrick. Uh, so I am reading a few books. One of them is Candace's book. Uh, I'm trying to get the cover. It's not working. It's on my phone. It's called The Generator. It's her and a few other writers. Um, I really like it. Uh, the main character is a little shit. And I think that it's like a cliche, stereotypical a uh, person that wants to be a writer and they end up uh don't can't uh, can't tell me if I'm saying too much but he ends up um talking to another writer and she, he sees her notebook and he uh uses some of her ideas that she thinks are not really worthy or I thought I heard someone talking that was weird uh someone's mic uh, okay just me gotcha anyways he steals some of her ideas he ends up turning out to be a pretty good writer with something he didn't want to be a good writer at. And uh, I'll leave it at that. I really do enjoy I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And I'm also finishing up. Nope. Can't get that right. That book, Own King's A Curator. Um, it is. It's fantasy. So I think you guys might like it. Uh, it's it's strange. It's weird. And it's fun. Um, kind of makes you feel like a little kid. Uh, kind of feels like his dad's work in some regard in that sense. So, yeah, that's what I'm reading. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, yes, now me. Um, <laughs> My bad. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I mentioned that I, um, I'm reading, um, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of Candace's follow-up to Bishop, and I gave my full thoughts on that earlier. Nothing more to add. I really, I really, really enjoying it, and I'm uh, probably going to finish that in the next couple days. Um, I am also reading Whisperwood by Alex Woodrow, um, and it is creepy as shit. It's got a lot of great folklore stuff that just it it it, it it's it it takes place in Romania, and it just feels very very immersive and different than anything else that I'm you know I've read recently. Uh, it's out from Flame Tree in the next couple months. I don't know what the exact date is, but uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. And I love Alex as a person, so it's it's cool to get into her long form stuff. 
Nice, nice. So, uh, Candice, where can people follow you? Um, they can follow me on Uncomfortably Dark or Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, Instagram, and apparently half the time on your show, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Caitlin, where can people follow you? Oh, I'm on all social media, just Caitlin Marceau. Uh, and then I have a website, CaitlinMarceau.ca. Oh. Marso is spelled M-A-R-C-E-A-U. Yeah, the French way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Erica, where can people follow you? Uh, my website's still the best bet, ericarobinreads.com. I know on the last episode I was on, I bragged about how I have like so many different social media accounts. I was like, oh, you can find me anywhere you are. I've started deleting social media accounts this week, so that is no longer true. <laughs> I've been like super overwhelmed with just trying to juggle how many I have. And I saw somebody tweet and I really wish I remember who it was because I'd try to steer you towards their profile. But they were basically talking about like doom scrolling and how life is too short. And they were just like, you know, you can't spread your time across all these apps that you don't care about, like pick one or two. And I was like, I'm a marketer. I should know that. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm trying to put that into practice. So I'm going to cut back a little bit. Very good. Very good. Brennan, where can people follow you? I usually go for a walk every morning. Oh, uh, damn it. <laughs> Patrick, where can people follow you? No, it doesn't fucking matter. Just look up the head to head space. I don't know. Uh, final thoughts. Candace. <laughs> um, Final thoughts. It's been a hell of a week. Um, it's going to be a great year, and I look forward to more of these incredible episodes with you guys where I'm very uncomfortable the entire time. Excellent. That's how it's we great. like our guests. And <laughs> Oh, final thoughts for me? Yeah. Just, Candice is amazing. I'm so grateful to have been able to, like, come on and surprise you. And, yeah, you're just, you're just wonderful. Please continue being a, like, beacon of light in this core community. <laughs> well, you just made my entire day because I had no idea. So, and yeah, no puzzle. <laughs> kept it. Me and Caitlin kept it a secret that. for a while. Uh, Erica, mm -hmm. final thoughts. Yeah, I definitely second that. I know we've said it before, or I feel like I've said it before on the show, but I love your tweets just every day where you're just like, good morning, everybody. It's like a little pep talk every morning. And then you've got your drink, <laughs> your water, and then something in the evening. I just, I think that's something that you don't see much of on social media anymore because it's so much just like content all the time. And yeah. it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how you want to like truly help the community. And I think in your, just in your tweets, you can tell that you really care about people and you want everyone to have a good day. So thank you for yeah. doing stuff like that. You're welcome. Running. Patrick, ask me how I think this episode went, please. My final thoughts are fuck you, Brennan. I've enjoyed <laughs> He sold him I think it was a 10. Uh, it's not yeah. a 10. It's a zero. It's not a 10. <laughs> is, is, is it like that? It, now it's, it's a 10, 10 on my screen. No. Oh. Now it's a 10. Oh, okay. It flips it for us. It I think. We <laughs> thought you were trying to be Well, a that's rude. Guy. No, I thought I was showing you guys a 10 the whole time. Apparently, I No, you were giving asshole. me a zero one the whole time. Oh, what a dickhead over here. <laughs> final thoughts, French. <laughs> my final thoughts are I don't know how cameras work. <laughs> My final no, thoughts uh, are oh okay. I, I'm still in my final thoughts, Patrick. Please stop. Um, my final thoughts are uh, no, that was pretty much it. Thank you, Candace. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Patrick. My final thoughts, I echo Brennan, except for thank you, Brennan. Uh, 
Next episode is 199. Del Howison. Really hope that's how you say his last name. With Casey Lansdale and Jonathan Levitt. Um, we're going to talk about his book that's behind me. Let's get that book. It's called The Survival of Margaret Thomas. Oh, there you go. It's a horse running away from fire. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. And if you have any choices in the podcast, thank you for picking up. Thank you.